Hello everyone, I'm Nicolas Fasolo and welcome to a new episode of the Cybersecurity Warrior podcast titled Anti-Reconnaissance. In this episode, we will discuss methods that help us hide everything about us that is somehow exposed on the internet. At the very least, we will learn how to raise the commitment required for attackers just to try to gather some information or breach our defenses. To stay updated on new releases, you can follow the podcast and to help me spread the content, you can share it by giving a positive rating on any platform you are currently listening to. From the podcast statistics, turns out that more than 80% of all regular listeners do not follow the channel. It costs nothing to click follow, but it means a lot to me. This gesture, along with your shares and likes, is the gauge by which I measure the channel popularity. So, if you find these contents useful and come across a post from the channel, leave a like and share it with your network. Even a single click means a lot for me. In the last episode, we understood how a potential attacker can find information about our organization, such as the technology used, the type of suppliers we engage with, or even private information about us or the people around us. We then analyzed various types of reconnaissance, categorizing them and delving into some tools and techniques usable during this crucial phase. Today we will talk about the exact opposite. So by analyzing each point discussed earlier, we will see some indispensable techniques for exposing ourselves as little as possible to targeted and general reconnaissance activities. If you want to go in depth about specific topics, feel free to write to me directly or email me, suggesting some topics to explore in future episodes. Of course, you will have to find my email on your own. Let's start by defending our company. The real danger for us is information, and there is plenty of it on the internet. Attackers have a disadvantage. They see what we want them to see and access what we make available to them. Phishing is of course a threat that can harvest more information, but even in this case we can implement procedures and devices to protect ourselves. As we discussed in the last episode, attackers mainly rely on four techniques. Social engineering, exploiting, physical break-in, credential purchase for remote touches. So let's start with the social engineering one. This technique relies on information to manipulate users, making information the critical point to focus on. The first step is to leverage search engines using techniques like Google Dorking to find and remove anything that shouldn't be on the internet. Often, it's easy to find files like PDF, images, or even blueprints containing references that should not be public, such as email addresses of company personnel, possibly with a relevant position, or worse, files containing information about the company's internal infrastructure. Here's a tip. Try entering your name or your company's name on Google, followed by a space and a file type column PDF. Make sure file type 
column PDF is all one word without spaces. Press enter and happy OSINT. What's OSINT? Well, let me quote Wikipedia, which is usually never wrong. Open Source Intelligence, acronym OSINT, is the discipline of intelligence that deals with the search, collection and analysis of data and news of public interest drawn from open sources. OSINT was introduced during World War II by the security agencies of some nations. The point is that today anyone can do it, good and bad. The only variables that differentiate the results are competence and the amount of time spent on searching. In the last episode I also talked about LinkedIn and social networks in general. Unfortunately, these tools are not easily controllable because by their nature they are designed to connect people. And when people are connected they necessarily share information. The only useful precaution might be to carefully select what we share and with whom we are sharing it. I understand that in this age where we compulsively share moments of our life or events in your company, it's not easy to precisely analyze what kind of data we are giving to potential malicious actors. So, it's crucial to know exactly what we are publishing and what others have published online about us or our company. This kind of awareness allows us to not be caught unprepared by removing anything that can put us at a disadvantage against a malicious actor. Now, let's talk about job listing. This is a tricky topic. In this case, more information is included in the job ID, the easier it is for a candidate to identify if their profile might be suitable for that position. However, to avoid giving away information about our internal infrastructure or technology we use, it can be helpful to specify the skills required for the candidate rather than the complete software inventory in use. I'll read you a recent job description. The chosen candidate will be trained and engaged in cybersecurity and threat intelligence activities at one of our important clients in Rome. Preferential requirements for the following knowledge slash experience are Achievement of at least one of the following certifications CCNA Security or the new CCNP Certified Incident Handler Certified Ethical Hacker Offensive Security Certified Professional knowledge of the functioning of a firewall and threat prevention system, knowledge of Windows and Linux systems, knowledge of virtualization practices, sandboxing and dynamic port forwarding, familiarity with the concept of threat prevention, security incident analysis and security assessment. And suddenly I read, experience in the following specific technology is also welcome. Symantec ATP, Advanced Threat Protection, FortiAnalyzer, FortiMail, and FortiGate, Forcepoint Anti-Spam and Web Filter, and etc, etc, etc. This ID with a bit of additional research allowed me to understand in exactly 5 minutes who the client was, and instantly after, the type of security devices and software on which to concentrate my evasion techniques. Now that we have learned what to avoid about job offers, we will talk about suppliers. 
Yes, we have reached the suppliers. For better or for worse, everyone listening to this podcast falls into the client or supplier category. And surely you have heard of the term supply chain attack. An attack that, to reach a specific target, goes through the weak links in the chain, the suppliers. The problem is that the term supply chain attack make it seem like the targets are always predetermined. And it's a bit misleading in my opinion, because today most attacks belonging to this type and perpetrated by organized threat actors, clearly excluding advanced persistent threat, are collateral supply chain attacks. Let me explain. Once an attacker has compromised a target, they notice that there are networks belonging to other organizations and that exact and cursed moment they decide to extend their attack, obviously gaining more host and having the chance to exfiltrate even more data. The result is a bigger loot and statistically higher chance of paying the ransom, whatever it may be. I also talked about dumpster diving in the last episode, so for this method of information gathering I'll just say one word that suits your paper document with sensitive data. Confetti. Just turn everything into that. Let's move on to exploiting and how to make ourselves invisible to this category of attacks. As mentioned last time, exploiting has weaknesses. It must come from the outside. Whether used on public service or on a document attached to an email, we know what to expect. And how can we not mention one of my favorite readings? The Art of War. Listen to this. According to their nature, different terrains can be accessible, traps, not solving, limited, rugged, open. I believe this sentence is enough to understand how to identify and consequentially manage a public service. Analyzing the sentence, it starts with in conformity to their nature, meaning we must understand why they are in the state that they are so published, and continues by saying different terrains can be, and here we replace terrains with published services, so it becomes published service can be accessible, so simple, a trap, honeypots, not solving, or rather unreachable, limited with access control list, rugged, so broken or vulnerable, and finally open, so understood by everyone, open source. Let's proceed with some methods that we could use to defend ourselves, always staying in line with our friend Sun Tzu. 1. Make services accessible only to certain users with multi-factor authentication. 2. Create exposed Onipod services solely for tracking possible scans by malicious actors. 3. Disable publications if these should not be public. 4. Limit access to items exposed on the internet through ACL. 5. Update and apply specific patching to services. 6. Hide any open source application behind panels that do not allow easy identification. And by the way, 
If Sun Tzu knew this 3,000 years ago, today we can all do it. I think we had enough time to read these fundamental approach techniques to a war, so try to be ready. A last but complex component for defense is automation. That is, integrating detection system to blacklist addresses or signature during activities such as web scraping or scanning, brute forcing, port tampering, etc. For this topic, I think I'll do a dedicated episode in the future. I think it's worth it. And the physical access? Did you forget about it? No, don't worry, I got you covered. To block an attacker who wants to ruin their life with physical access, there are several methods. First one is access control through physical blocks. Second one, security guards, often function as deterrents. Third is human identification, at entry, or maybe computer vision. Fourth, segmentation of access privileges through doors that require authentication. And the fifth one is alarms and distributed cameras. Usually these precautions, or even just some of them, are enough to discourage physical attacks. But what if the attacker is government-sponsored for some reason? In this case, we must expect anything. In espionage, there are no public methods to bypass these type of physical defenses, and considering the budgets that a governmental attacker may have, we could find ourselves against EMPs, so electromagnetic pulse generators, signal jammers, IR light bombs for cameras, or maybe laser pointed at objectives, and much more. If you want an in-depth discussion, let me know via social media. Feedback is always welcome. So, we have come to the penultimate topic, which is the purchase of credential. In this case, some of the defenses to implement have already been mentioned before, such as multi-factor authentication or access control list. Not enough? Well, then we can go into system administration and implement uh, zero-trust network access architectures. What are they? They are practically the future. Today, every security vendor has uh, its vision of zero-trust network access, but the basic concept is one. Do not trust any asset inside or outside the perimeter. This way, we could force anyone who wants to communicate with our infrastructure to follow certain rules through policy enforcement. Some example could be having a specific EDR updated and communicated for at least uh, one hour with the tenant, having changed the user password for no less than 60 days and set up the MFA, having synchronized and applied specific group policy before accessing the network shares and much more. This way we could ensure that users are bulletproof before reaching the specific services that they need. In Italy, some companies are approaching this type of architecture, but the road is still long and uphill. Well, it's time to talk about general reconnaissance. So, keeping in mind all the good habits we have mentioned, let's talk about specific functionality that victimize thousands every year. UPNP Universal Plug and Play 
is a protocol that allows a device or an app to automatically open a communication port to establish a direct connection with other devices or, as I've seen lately, with cloud services. This service must be deactivated, no matter what. If you don't know how to configure a device manually, ask a competent professional to do it for you. Trust me, it's worth it. The light use of this feature can turn your IP camera into a public webcam accessible to anyone, your smart fridge into a device from which a potential attacker can connect via the internet and then move laterally. Or perhaps worse, your NAS could be reachable by anyone, maybe with default credential. So in short, when configuring devices that somehow connect to smart services, it's a good thing to check how they communicate with the rest of the world to stay safe and secure. But then, beyond what we already discussed, what can be done to defend ourselves? I was sure you were going to ask. In fact, there is a series of defensive actions that generally increase infrastructure security. Now, I'll mention them super quickly, but we will dive into them more in future podcast episodes. So, restriction of policies that publish services in the firewall, application of proxies and load balancers, vulnerability assessment and pen testing of public web apps, internal network segmentation, security rights management, security awareness courses for video terminalists, IoT hardening and hair gapping, and much more. All these precautions alone are never enough, but don't worry, we will find out why together in the next episodes. So, we have reached the end of this episode, and uh, what are we going to talk about next time? In the next episode we will discuss the different type of attackers we might encounter, and what sets them apart. In other words, we will analyze in depth some techniques used in real cases that I have had the pleasure and honor of managing. If you want to follow me in real time and you enjoy the podcast, I recommend checking out my Instagram at nick.soc or directly on LinkedIn by subscribing to the Cybersecurity Warrior page where you can give your opinion on episodes, suggest new content or simply ask questions about the episodes that intrigues you the most. As always, a hug to all of you from Nicholas, Cybersecurity Warrior.